News Weekly is an ad-free listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like Alana Coombe, Nabil Hamzaki, Peter Cassidy, Tyra Underhill, and hopefully you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah to support the podcast where you can access my regular book, TV, movie and podcast recommendations, short stories I've written, soon to be announced free tickets to my 2023 comedy festival shows or long unhinged rants about whatever's bothering me now and then. I'll see you there. Top Stories of the Week Victorians celebrate sausage sizzles and Morrison's Ministerial Masala all that and more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Victorian election selection news now. Australians love an election, mainly because you get a sausage sizzle after you vote. For listeners not in Australia, a sausage sizzle is when you fry the cheapest sausage you could find, and by fry I mean burn it black, put it diagonally in the cheapest slice of white bread ever, bread so thin and lacking in nutritional value you'd have been better off just eating the plastic bag it came in, smother it with ketchup and mayonnaise and then eat it while standing in a car park. It's an Australian tradition enacted every election day, and god damn it if it isn't the most delicious thing on earth. Somehow all those ingredients, by which I mean just two ingredients, come together to create a culinary experience that would make a French Michelin star chef weep with joy. And it's because to Australians the taste of a sausage sizzle is the taste of democracy. And democracy tastes delicious. Dictatorships taste terrible, but you have to say they're delicious or you'll be eating a sausage made out of your family. It's state election time in the state of Victoria. The first time people across the state, particularly in the city of Melbourne, go to the polls since they became the longest locked down city in the world during the height of the pandemic. On one side is the Victorian Labour Party, led by the current Premier of the state, Daniel Andrews. He's the man who oversaw the lockdowns, which he's been sure to remind everyone of every moment of the campaign trail. Very clear about COVID and how proud we are that Victorians got vaccinated in record terms. Well, videos showed uh, that was all about saying thank you to the Victorian community for having got vaccinated, for having made so many sacrifices to keep each other safe. Uh, the acts of kindness, that sense of uh, connection. I think we've proven to the rest of the country and indeed around the world that when Victorians stick together, we can achieve anything. It's a bold choice to own the decision to lock down Melbourne in 2020 and 2021, a decision that many still see as controversial. And by many, I mean Sky News's resident pooch pincher and canine cuddler, Chris Kenny. But one of the big questions a lot of people has have is, is why... The Andrews Labor government is still favoured to survive when it's been so bad, treating its citizens appallingly with lockdowns, curfews and rings of steel, all unnecessary. Chris Kenny, who, by the way, lives in Sydney, the city that gave Melbourne COVID twice. That's right, we never forget Sydney. On the other side is Victorian Liberal Party leader Matthew Guy, whose entire sales pitch so far has been to remind people he is also a human being who exists. Guy's been trying to convince Victorians that the Labour Party is spending too much money, and his party will fix that problem by spending even more money. 
That figure is $28 billion, nearly triple what Labor's promised. And to find that cash, the coalition will lease the state's sewerage, move $2 billion from medical research to manufacturing and raid $10 billion from the Future Fund. Because there's one thing you want to do during an ongoing pandemic and that's cut funding for medical research. His Liberal Party has also promised to lease out Melbourne's water sewerage treatment business so that we can probably start paying a dollar every time we drink from the tap. Still, it's been a relatively sedate election, with news coverage being quite a bit calmer than the kind of hysterical gotcha journalism of the recent federal election. Like, remember that time they tried making Anthony Albanese look bad by asking him pop quiz questions on the campaign trail and making a big deal out of his not knowing the answers by heart? What's the national unemployment rate? National unemployment rate at the moment uh, is, uh, I think it's 5.4, sorry, I'm not sure what it is. Well, luckily they aren't doing that pub quiz bullshit anymore, especially when interviewing the shadow treasurer who just announced the Liberals' budget plans. Asked for a total on their election spend. How much is it add up to? The man hoping to be the next treasurer had no answer. Uh, I can't give you the top figure, but I can get that for you. Actually, add it all together in a in a moment. We haven't added it together in a single figure like that. His late afternoon release of the coalition costings missing a crucial detail. So you have a number in mind for how? I will get you a figure within a, an hour or two. So we'll get you the exact figure. We can do that. It's basically the Kumon approach to political journalism. Both the Liberals and Labour are promising big spending to attract voters and each party is going after young voters, some even too young to vote. The Liberals started by targeting 17-year-olds. We're going to bring forward P-plate driving and lower the age from 18 to 17. Currently in Victoria, you have to be 18 or older to get your probationary driver's licence. Matthew Guy is proposing to bring that down to 17-year-olds because apparently we don't have enough accidents and car crashes. Maybe this is his way to help the medical industry by increasing business for medical professionals specialising in teenagers smashing into things with vehicles. Not to be outdone, Daniel Andrews has seen the bribe to 17-year-old Fast and Furious enthusiasts and gone after 3- and 4-year-olds in kindergarten. Promising kinder grants for toys and play equipment. Of course we would be at a kinder because only Labor will make kinder free. You know who no one campaigns for? 44-year-old men. Where are our election bribes? When are you going to promise me a government subsidy so I can buy more vintage watches or finally learn to play the guitar and start a band as I struggle against an impending midlife crisis? Stop trying to give 3-year-olds driver's licenses and give 44-year-olds a license to live. Now, I'm recording this on the eve of the election, and unless you listen to it, as soon as it's released, you'll already know the election results. So far, polls are predicting Labour to squeak back into victory, but a rise in independents and smaller parties, like the Greens party, the Reason party, and basically any anti-vaxxer with a fedora and a neo-Nazi poster who decided to create their own party, like the, and I'm not making these up, Angry Victorians party. And, and this is a real one, Restore Democracy Sack Dan Andrews Party, which clearly believes in saving money on campaign literature by putting its entire platform in the title. And now it's time for one final statement from the leaders of the two major parties. Here's Daniel Andrews keeping his eye on the money. A vote for Labour is a vote to cut your bills. And here's Matthew Guy somehow channeling Dr Seuss for some reason. We need a government and a premier who unite us, not divide us. That's what my government and me, we will be. 
Just remember, no matter who wins or loses, we all get sausage sizzles. And in the end, that's what democracy is all about. Oh my god, he's giving me trauma flashbacks. News now. Remember Scott Morrison? Weird Christian cult enthusiast? Former Prime Minister of Australia? Also the former Health Minister, former Finance Minister, former Resources Minister, former Home Affairs Minister and former Treasurer? Well, if you don't remember him or all those ministries he appointed himself to, then here's Anthony Albanese to remind you with the results of an inquiry into the appointments by a former High Court Justice, Virginia Bell. The actions of the former Prime Minister were extraordinary, they were unprecedented. Sounds like a compliment, like he was an out-of-the-box thinker. And they were wrong. And if you think that's harsh, here's Justice Virginia Bell in her report. Former High Court Justice Virginia Bell finding Scott Morrison's secret power grab exorbitant and corrosive of trust and confidence in government. Scott Morrison is no longer the leader of the Liberal Party, even though he is still a parliamentarian. However, the current leader of the party, Peter Dutton, didn't make any statements about the Bell inquiry, probably because he was still feeding on a dead unicorn in the Forbidden Forest and wasn't able to get his strength all the way back up again. Instead, the job of making a statement in response fell to Simon Birmingham, the opposition Senate leader, who tried to do his best to sound like he wasn't just grateful to be rid of Morrison himself. I hope now they will just get on and act on the recommendations rather than continuing to politicise the matter. It is hard not to politicise something when it's literally about politics and politicians. Morrison hasn't met with the press directly about the report, instead spending time with beef enthusiast and hero to poorly read idiots everywhere, Jordan Peterson, who is apparently in Australia on the same tour circuit that sees all failing far-right losers come here for one last attempt to make money. Morrison did manage to issue a statement, however. Scott Morrison issuing a statement saying criticisms of his decisions were made after the event. Yes, because at the time no one knew about the event because you hid the event. And that his awareness of issues regarding national security and the national interest went beyond the knowledge of individual ministers and certainly the inquiry. Basically, he's saying he moves in mysterious ways. The highlight of the coverage around the Morrison inquiry came not from the Justice Bell report, however, but an excerpt from an upcoming book about the federal election by journalist Nikki Sava, called Bulldozed, Scott Morrison's Fall and Anthony Albanese's Rise. In it, Sava talks about the Governor-General, who approved Morrison's self-appointments without seeing anything wrong with them. I'm going to read out an excerpt from the book, and I swear this is exactly as it's written. You can look it up if you want. Here we go. The Governor-General David Hurley was a former military man, very close to Morrison, also deeply religious, who would urge or rather oblige guests at his official residences and at events around the country to sing to one another. Guests were alerted to the expectations of their hosts by his wife Linda, who would announce, I believe that singing is a gift we give to one another. The Department of Foreign Affairs began forewarning new ambassadors of the Hurley tradition before they made the trek to Government House. You Are My Sunshine was a hot favourite. Guests were told to face the person next to them to sing the final chorus. Sometimes it would be a familiar tune with the new lyrics written by Mrs Hurley that would be printed on the back of menus and handed out to guests. No one had an excuse not to sing along. Hurley was punctilious about this ritual he had initiated even though some guests found it awkward or embarrassing. But he did not see it as his duty or responsibility to notify the public that the Prime Minister had secretly sworn himself into five additional portfolios. 
end quote. What the fuck? Who cares about his portfolios? Who cares about the portfolios? The current governor general, the current governor general of Australia is running private sessions of The Voice when foreign diplomats go to meet him? Is this why our relationship with China is so bad? If you go to the official YouTube channel for the Governor General of Australia, and there is a YouTube channel, there is a video of Linda Hurley singing a song she wrote for the pandemic. We'll meet again when it's over. We'll hug and kiss, shake hands. We're all in this together. So let's all end our hand. That goes on for over two minutes. You can also find a clip of her forcing the Indian women's cricket team to sing it when they visited her on tour. My sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when stars are rain on. There's also a clip of her forcing the staff in a pub in Malambimbi to sing along, but you get the idea. Anyway, I thought I'd share that with you because when I play this next clip, you're going to start singing You're My Sunshine just to dull the pain. Here's former Deputy Prime Minister of Australia and a Kubra model Barnaby Joyce being interviewed by political journalist David Spears on ABC's Insiders about whether or not he knew about Morrison's ministry appointments and why he didn't tell anyone else or the general public. When were you told about this arrangement? Well, um, Dave, it sort of arrived there obliquely. Obviously, I wasn't aware of it at the start because it had happened prior to um, me coming back as leader. So did the, the Prime Minister at the time, Scott Morrison, actually tell you? Is that how you found out? No, it didn't work like that, David. It's probably worked in over a period of time. Just coming back to the question, how did you find out? If it wasn't from the Prime Minister, was it from Keith Pitt? No, no, it was sort of over a period of time and uh, the conjecture around PEP 11 and... And, uh, Someone and must have told you that. Someone must have said, panel. your minister is yeah, actually I didn't really, it didn't, not didn't the really, decision maker. It didn't really work like that. So how did it work? It didn't really work like that. It worked over a period of time, David, where the Prime Minister got to a position, Scott Morrison got to a position and said, well, I can overrule him. You, did you say uh, how? How, that, listen, how, how can you overrule the minister? Yeah, well, you could... Well, he had said that he was sworn in, but you just take a decision back to Cabinet. So he did say, he really did say he, he was sworn in as the minister. Look, and I... I'm not being evasive. I just can't quite remember exactly where sort of that final statement went. Hang on, hang on. It, it you can't like, remember the Prime Minister saying to you, your National no, Party can't. Minister has no, been, I, is I being overruled I, 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 I believe he did, right? Right. But if you said, tell me exactly the time and place, I believe okay. he did, right? So you believe, you believe Scott Morrison I did. believe he did. I believe he did, but it didn't. It happened over a sort of a period of time and it, hap it became into place before my time. Why you... You're not going to go back to this question again, are I you? Am, God I am, I am. Why you felt <sighs> the need to keep this secret? Why shouldn't Parliament, let alone your colleagues, have been told David, what was going on here? It was... It, it was... It was... <laughs> It wasn't really a secret. Do you, do you want anything clearer than that? What else are you looking for? Who Archangel the... Gabriel was holding his hand. What do you want? Well, most of it, most of it, I didn't know about. And you got to remember. Well, you did. You just told us you knew. Decision. No, 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 no. Don't verbal me. Don't verbal me. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. As I said at the start, I found over a period of time and obliquely. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, leave you with this question one more time. Did you know he was Resources yes. Minister, Scott Morrison? 
uh, how many times do you want to ask me this, Dave? This is like the seventh time I told you. I didn't know when I came in because the decision was made before me. There was no distinct conversation that happened obliquely over a period of time. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. As always, to support the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can leave a preferably five-star review and rating for the podcast. It really helps with all the numbers and the metrics and kind of giving this podcast more visibility. Otherwise, just tell your friends. Word of mouth is really the best advertising I can afford. I will see you right back here next week on another edition of News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines of the week.